Welcome to Thrive at Work, the podcast that brings trends, insights, and practical tips to help employers attract, develop, and retain great people. Here, you'll find inspiring conversations with experts in their field and companies doing amazing work to shape a future where people can thrive. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Thrive at Work. Today, we are talking about how technology can be used to improve the well-being of individuals and teams. I'm delighted to be joined by Ed Van Royen, founder and CEO of Teacup, which stands for Thinking Clearly Under Pressure, whose aim is to help as many people as possible to find their perfect blend of health, happiness and success through self-reflection and support in today's evolving world of technology and remote working. Welcome, Ed. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Polly. Thank you very much for the invite. Delighted to be here. Thank you. So let's jump right in. Wellbeing is obviously a, a hot topic and a massive topic at the minute. What is your current view on wellbeing in the workplace? Yeah, I think the the view that we share is that it's never been talked about more, which is great. And I think awareness of well-being is is huge. I think there's mm-hmm. a little bit of um, there's a little bit of confusion in terms of there's so many many different variable options that organisations can do. And I had a client recently explain to me it's like drinking from a fire hose, you know, in terms of options. So I think I think it's great that awareness is is as high as as it's ever been. But I think organisations are often struggling to quite know where to pinpoint what's often limited resources in terms of funds and time. So I think it's um, it's certainly a very crowded and busy market with lots of exciting things happening, um, which is which is why you know we we love being part of part of that sort of uh, mm-hmm. melee of, of of busyness. Absolutely, thank you. So tell us more about what Teacup does and the services that you offer to clients. Yeah, so Teacup is is a is a collaboration really from uh, various parts of, of of the business world and 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 sports. Um, so it was founded by myself, a doctor, a psychologist, and a, and a, a sports uh, person called Lee Mears, who used to play rugby for England and, and the Lions. And the idea with that is following a previous career where I was in legal services and, and in financial services insurance, um, I was quite frustrated as an employer that I never quite knew how I personally felt or how my employees felt. Um, so the the concept of Teacup really was bringing data and science to the world of, of well-being. Um, even back in 2007, 2008, when I started my previous business, you know, we always wanted to look after employees, but I was never quite sure what they needed. And actually taking that much more to a personal level, I was never quite, uh, you know, I wasn't hugely reflective. So what we try to create with, with Teacup is, is an opportunity for people just to take a well-being moment, to just pause uh, in a world where we are always going 100 miles an hour, this great little well-being moment where people can pause, uh, take some time to reflect in a, in a, in, a, in uh, by by thinking about the big building blocks that impact our well-being, receive instant support uh, for them personally, which is which is really important, 
but then equally provide organizations with some real-time data and insights so that they can, from a, I guess, top-down, equally support their teams and, and members with what they need. Um, so we, we sort of try to deconstruct wellbeing by using technology as an enabler to help people just become more self-aware and organizations, you know, and uh, help organizations pinpoint their resources. Mm, brilliant. Thank you. So it's an app, isn't it? And so you you ask people to take a moment, and it literally it is just a moment, of self-reflection to almost think about, pause in their day and reflect on where they're at in various ways. I think, is, is that it as well? Yeah, exactly. I think we we have got an app, but we do have various different methods for people to engage with the technology. Mm-hmm. I think um, apps are great, but not all our customers have, you know, uh, have access to smartphones during the day. Some industries, they're not allowed to have their phones with them. Uh, in some instances, some people don't have smartphones. Um, so we, we offer the opportunity to have that moment of reflection either through our app or equally just through uh, a desktop link that people can just simply click on so that they can then go through that moment of reflection. And as you say, it only takes a moment. It takes about 60 to 90 seconds. Um, and then it provides them with instant support. Brilliant. Yes. And so the areas that you ask people to consider, is is that health, happiness and success? Is that the, the, the three areas? That's correct. Yeah. So what we um, what we did was coming back to, you know, well-being is is a, is a word, a, a phrase that's used a lot. But what we wanted to create was something that was quite holistic. So when we um, we sort of when we did the research at the start of Bath University, very kindly gave us lots of access to research papers. We looked into um, what does well-being actually mean, and if you're looking at the authority of well-being and taking it back to the World Health Organization's definition of well-being, then they define it as as you know people leading healthy lives. But it's more than just you know the um, the absence of of poor health it's also social connections and it's also people successfully feeling like they're contributing to society so when we looked at that the research very much you know health's quite easy you know um, when we look in most people if we ask them what does health mean we would say you know what impact health most people would agree you know our diets impact health maybe our drinking habits and equally our activity but of course happiness and success is very subjective so when we looked at that, the research very much almost reversed engineers engineered the process, looking at well, what impacts our success or, or lack of success, and, and that's where we come into aspects such as stress or financial well-being. Uh, and equally, when we look at happiness, we look at in, uh, big, big factors impacting happiness, such as relationships or sleep. Yeah, that's amazing. So you've really distilled quite a large topic down to quite a um, a narrow definition there but it also encompasses an awful lot i think so i think it's i think the the thing that we were very keen on on um on building and helping people with is not the worst well-being app makes you feel worse after reflecting you know and i think so the challenge really is yes we want to help people thrive and by virtue of that we want them to self-assess, you know, subjectively how they how they score on those those elements. But 
quite often, even with people who are struggling or need support, you know, not everything is bad. So um, the, the idea was really to look at well-being holistically and and form correlations between things. So if I go through a process where, I'm, you know, maybe I, I may well be struggling with my sleep, but maybe aspects such as my uh, diet could be quite good or relationships could be quite strong. So it was, it was looking at it holistically, which is very important, big topics. Um, but the, the key of the technology really came down to how we built the technology because obviously none of those uh, areas are particularly, you know, it's not rocket science that we're looking at sleep or relationships. But of course, those things then impact everybody the same. And, and I think that was the key to what we needed to, to build was a way that the, the person can reflect but the technology can almost learn or can learn and form a view of each particular person so that they, we can start to understand perhaps the importance of things like sleep on you. So, you know, um, I often be people who have children would understand that pre-children, you know, you think, oh, you know, I need eight hours sleep. And then you have kids and you realize actually maybe you can still function on four hours and six hours is a great number. Right. Um, so, so I think it's those. It's it's understanding and helping the technology, helping people understand what impacts them, and the correlation between things like you know, when you're tired, do I eat more? Uh, uh, you know, does my diet suffer a little bit? Or perhaps when I am, um, you go out and a you know, uh, you have a great night's sleep. Does it impact positively relationships the next day? And it's when people become self-aware through understanding the correlations between those different things. That's really when people can start making small changes. And that's the that's the methodology, which is we talk about reflecting, uh, which takes 60 seconds. The technology helps us gain insight um, with, on, on our own well-being, and then we can take action. And then the process repeats. And it's that continuation of reflective inside action that really drives mm -hmm. people to make small changes that forms, you know, creates healthy habits towards a journey of uh, thriving. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. And so how often do you recommend that people actually take this pause and do this reflection of 60 seconds? Yeah, I think the well-being is completely unique, Polly. And, and for us, you know, we'd recommend that people try and, do, you know, have a well-being moment uh, at least two or three times a week. Um, we've, we've clinically tested the technology to understand at what point, you know, where's where's this the sweet spot, so to speak. So, you know, on the basis that people are not going to reflect every day. Sometimes life gets in the way. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, or perhaps, you know, we don't feel, you know, we just get busy. So even if people just use the, the technology to reflect twice a week, then it's clinically tested to raise our conscious awareness by nearly uh, 90% and motivates us to take action in nearly seven out of 10 cases. So I think the, what we work with our clients is say, if you can bring a wellbeing moment once or twice into into you know a working week by using a slightly more structured approach and scientifically backed approach, then actually you're really helping people become more self-aware, which then drives the natural consequences of that is they will make small changes and feel more connected. I guess they make changes once they get into a routine of doing this quite regularly. I can imagine that 
they would start to subconsciously um, do things slightly differently in between times because they probably think that they're probably thinking ahead to the next time they're going to be reflecting. Does that do you find that that works at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, it's exactly like that. I think the the science goes back to there's there's a little bit of conflict in terms of how many conscious decisions we make a day, but some research papers would suggest we make nearly 30,000 decisions, remotely conscious decisions a day. Now, if that's, yes, so that's where, you know, and and what was interesting when we looked at the research was not just the decisions we made, but also how we made decisions and which decisions had the biggest impact. So we make decisions based on a whole host of different ways. You know, we can delegate decisions, we can avoid them. That's still making a conscious effort to not do it. Markets absolutely tap into this with, you know, in front of the checkout of all the sweets and, you know, that's tapping into, oh, people go into a supermarket when they're hungry. So let's focus on that impulse decision making of I'll grab that chocolate bar or whatever. But we also make decisions based on reflections. And and those are often the decisions that takes um, that has the greatest impact because when we reflect, um, if we look at consequence of decisions, so what we are trying to do is is cut through the noise that if we create these well-being moments and people are reflecting in a way that's very visual and doesn't feel like a survey, you know, it feels it's it's very much gamified, then we are raising what's called our RAS, our reticular activating system. So we just bringing some of those same elements that's really important to us to the forefront of our mind. Um, and that's really the science of what we do. And there's many, many examples out there in daily lives of, of how, uh, you know, how our RAS get activated. Um, a good example is often when you buy a new object, it could be a car, it could be a piece of clothing, it could be trainers, then suddenly you see more of those things around, you know, and that's because you've reflected. You, oh, I quite like that car. I made this mistake with a, with a, um, with a, an old Land Rover which I really wanted, and I thought they were really unique until I bought one. Maybe it's just the West Country thing. I don't know. And then I saw everybody start with flat caps waving at me. It's like I really need to get rid of this car. Um, but that's your your sense, your conscious mind. You now it's important to you, and you're now seeing more of it. And TCAP works very much the same way, the science, which is if we get people to reflect once or twice a week on things like hydration and relationships, um, we are we're really just bringing those really important topics to the, to the forefront of our conscious mind. Um, and that means that, as you say, people then start thinking, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll drink a little bit more water today. Maybe I'll give that person a call. But then there's lots of things at the back of that that with technology, and this is where technology is, is wonderful, we can create um, opportunities for people to connect. And I don't like to work, use the word gamification because well-being is a serious matter. It's not a game. But but tapping into new generations and how hybrid working and you know the, the, work, the, the digital way of the world means we can really tap into a lot of these new advancements in technology and what we know people enjoy and and connect people so for example we can say as as the technology i talked about learns about you when we call that building a baseline so we can visualize as people start using this how they build in a baseline but equally once you have a baseline you can unlock buddies 
and that is another and and what a buddy means it's, it's like a social media friend request once you've got an active baseline it's we're both using the app and we've got active baselines so we can buddy up so what that means paul is then suddenly we can connect with one another and we can show each other in real time without disclosing any detail if we are trending up or if we're trending down so what we've done now is we've not only helped people become self-aware but we've created a social network and the real tech for good where we can in a hybrid world or with buddies or you know i've buddied up with people all over the world i can just see oh my buddy is is trending up or is trending down today or, or, or she's struggling in which case i can just reach out so i think there's there's lots of ways that tech technology can can be used for good as opposed to you know just distracting us um and and, and you know doom scrolling etc yeah that's great thank you gosh so many things occurred to me while you were talking um firstly the buddy um idea so we haven't really talked about this in an employment setting as yet but i want to get on to that but the buddy that could be that that's not necessarily anybody within your work environment that could be anyone in the world could it it could be anybody in the world i think how it's used in an organization setting a lot is um is is people can buddy up with mental health first aiders so a lot of our clients would recommend if they have a mental health first aider or mental health or well-being champion that they are potential buddies so that that is great because that then gives those guys a proactive mechanism to go and speak to somebody who may be trending down. Mm. But it could also, and I think where it works equally well, is where people buddy across departments. So we've got customers who have offices, some in, you know, in, in different parts of the world. So again, organizations really want to tap into sharing best practices and creating uh, a unified you know, team. So having people uh, buddy up through different teams is another good way because because often um often people then always feel comfortable budding up with their direct line manager but they may feel happy budding up with another another person who they know in another team so um the idea really is just to how can we support people when when they don't necessarily always want to voice openly that they are struggling um and equally how do how can we do that in a hybrid setting where they may not see each other physically yeah yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And then there's a lot of information available as well, isn't there? There's a lot of resource and um, insight that can people can then tap into to um, inform themselves better in in whatever area. That's on that's the right. that's on the app and the website as well. Is it? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So the the idea is um, when when you've had your wellbeing moment and you've reflected on on those things impacting you. Um, at that point, the technology will instantly recommend resources to you. And those um, those resources are really a combination of two things. They're a combination of um, the organization's existing support. So if a client has already invested in an EAP system with lots of resources on mental health and, and you know, support, et cetera, then we will plug that into the back end. So the system would then say, oh, and we have following list of resources so that's a really important part um but for organizations who don't have resources we also partner with a, a company called lifespeak who have over you know uh, who have i think 600 uh, subject matter experts where they create curated information and i think 
that's a really, really important point. Um, the world doesn't need more content. You know, we are flooded with information. We can go on Google, we can go on ChatGPT, we can, you know, and, and ask any question. The challenge is how reliable is that information, you know, and and I think that's really important. So when we provide in a, an instant support, you know, the instant information, it's it's already curated to be relevant. And the second part to that is people don't have to go and look for it, you know, if, by simply by reflecting the the system is recommending content based on your your profile and your reflections. Mm, brilliant. And also, I just wanted to come back to when you're doing your um, well-being moment and assessing where you are, you know, at that time. I guess it's you know you wouldn't expect to be for it to be on an upward trajectory all the time because you're going to have times when you're not feeling great or you haven't managed to keep hydrated that day or whatever it is so you might have dips down um at a certain times and that's that's okay that's completely normal absolutely and i think the one thing we should be very clear about when with with our employees and with our with our friends is we should not hypothesize happiness you know we've we've not created another Instagram where we just show our best day you know we have good days we have bad days and that's perfectly normal and that's really again why the technology builds a baseline because having a good day and a bad day is is just part of life you know stuff happens but what we want to understand when people use the technology is have a rolling view of your well-being so it's okay to have good days it's okay to have bad days but perhaps when you start having consecutive bad days over an extended period, that's really the point where we want to start um, worrying a little bit, you know. And so I think the the safeguarding that that's built in with with the technology, where the system can actually notify you as an individual, but equally notify your buddies via via a messaging that actually, you know, your buddy is now trending down consecutively. Um, that's that's really powerful. And and what it, I think is really fascinating as somebody who uses this, the technology, but also you know, some of the you know, hundreds of testimonies we've had from people using it is sometimes you go through phases and you don't even realize yourself that things aren't that great. You know, you just you just deal with it, you know, the and maybe this is a um a a sort of a, a negative consequence of you know, just the old British, you know, let's it'd be okay, just carry on, or, you know, it's okay to not be, be okay. We all know that, but let's just keep keep your head down and, and focused and, and and work hard. And I think what, what's really important with the tech is to start, is when it starts to, you know, notify you as a person that actually you are trending down consecutively and, and start telling you which areas, you should really focus or, you know, should consider focusing on. And I think that's really powerful because that's, that's really where tech and, and, and machine learning can play a huge role in, in what we do, because it's, it's, it's that point when, you know, maybe you've not realized your diet's not been good. You've not had exercise, your sleep, you know, yes, you reflect, but you're almost on autopilot. That's the point where um, tech can really, get you out of that sort of funk yeah indeed and it's preventative isn't it because if things yes. like that continue for 
so long. I mean, it's okay for a while, but if it continues, then it will start to have, um, you know, consequences. That's Great. right. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about the data that's gathered and how employers can use that in an employment context to improve well-being, you know, of teams and and also start having conversations about well-being and mental health, which are hard to have. <laughs> They're hard. It's really hard <laughs> for employers and managers to, you know, know where to start talking about mental health in this area. So I'm really fascinated by that. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, sure. I think the I think the thing is um, the data plays plays two parts in in how teacup works. I think, and you you sort of touched on base both of them. The first is unlocking conversations. So if um, a lot of a lot of people have uh, mood ladders or let's do a pre meeting emoji check in, how we're doing, um, and those things are are great. Icebreakers, they, they're a good way for people to perhaps um, give, give a, a sort of snapshot of how they feel to set the tone for the meeting. But, but they are also equally, because they are so, um, so transparent, they, they also make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Because actually, do I really feel like sharing an, uh, you know crying emoji? pre-call to show people, you know, I'm really sad, you know, or do I just go for a bit of a, you know, one that's maybe meh, you know. Um, so so I think um, so the first thing that we want to do with Teacup's data is really powerful is when there's a group of five or more people in a team who reflect, then actually the, the team dashboard will show how the group is doing and without revealing any anonymity. So that's really powerful in the sense of, and it will show all the, all those nine categories of well-being that we referred to before. So we could maybe see in real time, actually we're quite stressed. So in terms of that, um, as a group, we our, our data stress may be the category that's the lowest. So data could be a real, you know, the process of reflecting doesn't just support the person, but the revealing in real time how the team is doing actually is a real, enabler because I'm not relying on anybody disclosing who's more stressed than the others, but it can open up and create a, a safe, you know, psychological safe space where we could say, oh, okay, I can see we are stressed. And and that is really, really powerful because the first thing that data has done in that instance is it's given everybody a voice without necessarily having to speak up. So I think that's a real key way that we use data. And that that principle of showing them being able to view data trends over a month, over, over months or quarters, comparing different teams' data is, again, really powerful and, and often unlocks operational um, uh, sort of uh, practices that either helps teams thrive or, or that don't. So, again, it's, it's a real key to showing us, um, you know, well-being metrics is a really fascinating lens into how an organization's well-being is doing you know we ask a lot of questions and we know data and insights important that's why we do so many surveys and i'm not knocking surveys but um actually by looking at well-being metrics we could we could uncover a lot of the real questions that we want to ask in a service if we're asking for example do you feel valued and supported at work well what does the well-being data metrics look like of somebody that's 
doesn't feel valued and supported at work. You know, perhaps they won't be hugely ambitious. Perhaps they'd be more stressed during a week, and maybe um, we can. It will reflect in the way they, their sleep patterns are, and their mood is, etc., and how they the, the relationships are. So there's a lot of clues and well-being metrics that can give us a real-time insight in terms of how people are really feeling. So that's mm. so I think the the two lenses to it is one is it is a real powerful enabler to have tricky conversations because we're not I'm not necessarily asking anybody to to uh, or not putting anybody on the spot to have these conversations, but equally when we when we report on a monthly basis, the insight just gives us so much information in terms of actually which teams are more stressed. Um, which genders are more stressed, you know, feel more or less valued. You know, we talk a lot about D and an I. Well, actually, you know, do organizations know how different genders feel? Do they know how different um, ethnic, ethnic groups feel in the organizations? And this is, you know, which ones are more stressed? Which ones are more ambitious? And that's really fascinating because we all know as business leaders that all of those DNA and we want to treat people equally and we want to make sure everybody feels valued but without a lens on on in real time to see how people are feeling you know we just don't know and and that comes back to when we started the business lean is from his career in england i think and one of the coaches there they're saying if you're not assessing you're guessing and i think that's the principle that we work with which is you know if you're not measuring then how can you manage you know the reality is if you're doing that based on a quarterly view or a month, you know, or, or a sort of a, a, an annual view, then yes, it's better than nothing, but it doesn't actually give you the full picture. And yeah. the one thing that's been fascinating with wellbeing data is it is so seasonal. Yeah, it is, and and again, not in a not in a seasonal commercial way like we do Black Friday or Blue Monday or those things, but just seasonal in terms of you know if the weather is continually bad you know then it will impact people's mood you know it will impact their activity now now we all know as business leaders activity is so important you know after you know healthy body healthy mind and all those sort of things it's so well documented yet what happens when it rains a lot is you know we don't make we perhaps not as active as we are but what what there's so many amazing ways as an organization that we can be if we have a lens on that that we can as a group do something about it. so maybe we can go on a walk-in meeting and we have some clients who then say oh our activities really dropped off let's try and go you know prioritize if you're gonna have a meeting this week try and make it a walk-in one and if it rains just take an umbrella and we've got so many examples where organizations do that and teams do that and then you get this wonderful thing where actually people have some fresh air they're going out they feel like they've got the permission to go out it's great for their minds it's great for their bodies but they're also doing something else, which they're connecting on a human level. And that's, that's again, enabled by, by data. But if you don't have a dashboard that shows you our activity is 25% down than it was last month or last week, then how do you, you know, you sort of ignore those things. You just carry on as normal and, yeah, we're all good, you know, slaving behind our, our, our desks. And there's so many more ways that you can use data to just be more creative. Mm-hmm. And think of ways, and 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 that's the that's the beauty of da- data is it just gives you something to focus on. It's not, you know, uh, it's in HR's 
you know, we're having a bike to work scheme because he wants a new bike and it's a really cost-effective, tax-efficient way of doing it. It's not that sort of thing. It's actually, no, we're doing this because our data is suggesting as a group, we need to focus on activity and that's what we're doing. Or maybe we need yeah. to do something on stress, et cetera. So yeah, data is so, so important. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess you, you could put in initiatives or strategies, but you would be guessing really as to how effective that might be without the data. And I love the idea of creating a sort of um, team goal out of it. You know, this is what the yeah. data suggests. Why don't we do this, you know, as a, as a group this month or week? I love that idea of having um, some sort of target yeah. or goal or making it a bit more structured. Yeah, one of our clients, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, is, is that that does it amazingly is, is spec servers. And they have this amazing call called All Smiles, where people come on to this call, they have a group reflection, which basically just still means everybody reflects using the technology in their own space. But in real time, they show the data of how the group's doing, and this is several hundred people. And then they decide as a group, oh, the category that we need more support on if I use activity is, as an example, is activity. And then Teacup will present them with a couple of options or challenges, and they will vote as a team which option they want for the next two weeks. And those guys will go away and they'll do the challenge and they'll, they'll upload pictures and it creates a real buzz. Um, and it really connects people. And then, you know, they get rewarded for who completes the challenge uh, and the next call, and then they go again. And I think it's, but, but data also plays a key role on in understanding the, you know, your return on investment. Because again, where I think wellbeing initiatives get a lot of criticism is that it's not always as tangible as, you know, that new um, operational system that's made of 20% more you know, uh, efficient or, you know, or as reduced cost or however we measure, you know, performance because they are more human led. But, but again, that's where data is critical. You know, if we are going to invest in a solution, then we need to be able to track the, the, the impact of that. And uh, I think that's where this is really important is a give, give your people a voice or, you know, data gives them a voice. And if you can do that without them having to, Put themselves out there. So I think that's the that is the that is really important. Um, and and then you know you can you can act on that data. You know you've reflected. You can take you can take insight from the data. You take action, but then you reflect again to get that insight. That data has it worked? And that's that's I guess the real powerful thing in in um, in the way that the method again how data data brings uh, you know just insight in terms of that that initiative work and if it works yeah. then we do it again if it didn't work then we'll try something else yeah you are giving employees a voice but with that in a very anonymized way and confidential way and you're not asking anyone to um you know say that it's necessarily them but you are enabling them to express certain things yeah. And also what I love about that example you gave is that it's a really, you know, motivating, I imagine. And um, and as you say, brings people together like they're part of a community and it connects people because they're doing uh, they're kind of coming together in a, a common task. But what I love about it is that it's presumably the cost is minimal for, for that kind of thing. Exactly. Anything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, 
and that's the thing you know well-being the well-being doesn't have to be expensive you know it doesn't always have to be that shiny thing that we have to go and invest in often it is about connecting people and doing the simple things uh, we work with an amazing um a local sort of person called Gary Pratt who talks about the power of nature and outdoor walking and you know and using using nature to to nurture and i think again these things you know a lot of our customers i mean it's easier actually working from home to go on a, on a nice walk and and spending time outside but equally a lot of the customers have the ability to just go outside and just go on a, even if you're in, a, in an industrial estate, there's usually a walk somewhere where you can just go out and just take a moment. So it doesn't have to always be expensive. And and if if um, and I think that's the real powerful thing. The breathing is so so powerful. You know, as a as a ex lawyer, I'm very critical when it comes to you know breathing. Really, you know, when the first time somebody wanted to teach me how to use breathing techniques. I explained to them that, you know, for the last 45 years I've breathed, breathed, you know, quite normally. So I don't need this. But then when you, once you try it, you realize actually how powerful it is and how, you know, through our, um, you know, how it, how it can calm us down, how it can help us focus, how it can help us unwind. So again, we've got great examples where, you know, it, where people have, started struggling in a, in a setting and you know we've all been in settings where you notice some people just start to struggle you know their, their necks go red they start to you know they just come off a difficult call so again just using some very simple techniques like okay how let's go for a walk let's go and breathe let's let's go and connect or you know just take a well-being moment for yourself really doesn't cost a lot but has a huge impact yeah not just on people's well-being, but on productivity as well, I'd imagine. Like you were saying before, you know, new systems and processes can be very costly. And yes, it can improve efficiency or productivity, but on a human level, um, feeling yeah. happier and healthier does definitely lead to higher performing teams and more productive um, performance in the workplace. It does, Pauline. Well, I think I think the one gap in investment is organizations have spent so much money on efficiencies you know big processes systems technology um and but i think there's a gap in terms of giving our people tools to be better leaders you know and connect with with people i think that's the you know again we've you know don't know how many billions of pounds have been spent making sure we can have great online experiences and conferences and all the rest of it. So we, 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 give, uh, we empower our people with the tools to do the job. We don't empower people with the tools to be better leaders and, and to connect. And I think that's a real opportunity um, mm-hmm. for organizations to look at. And, and those who embrace that think, you know, this, I need to invest and give my people tools to better connect, to better understand well-being. Those are the, going to be the organizations that are going to be they're going to absolutely thrive. And when I say thrive, I mean attract people and retain people and motivate people because people then leave jobs, they leave managers. And in a world where we are now hybrid and a lot of people can change job without literally changing their desk, you know, it's so important to create moments to connect with people on a human level. And I think um, that that really is where there's big opportunities for organisations to tap into. That's brilliant. Thank you. 
I can't believe it. I think we could talk all day, but we are coming towards the end of our time. I just wondered if there was anything else you might want to mention that we haven't already covered. Yeah, I just think the um, the the key thing for us, the message that, that I think for us is that organisations just need to think about how can they connect, how, how do we drive connection, human connection. And the one thing um, that I guess the nicest quote I heard recently from a customer is, is nobody talks about our technology, but everybody talks as a result of it. And I think that's the mo a really important point. You know, technology can only ever be an enabler. There's no substitute for human connection. There's no substitute for, um, for, for a telephone call, you know, and, and just make reaching out to somebody. A, a message can change somebody's life, literally. So I think the the key message for me is yes we love technology and we have apps and all the rest of it but it can only ever be an enabler and that's really i think the biggest advice that i would have for organizations is if you're speaking to somebody who just wants to tell you about how amazing their content is and how great their tool is then you know then i think that's great but it should be about human connection it should be about working for your for your within your culture and, and driving driving that real um, opportunities for people to to interact more. Because I think that is 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 what we see, you know, 43% of people, you know, feel isolated, you know, um, working from home. That's a really scary stat. 60% of people then feel confident speaking to their managers and, you know, um, and, you know, seven out of 10 managers then feel confident having conversations. It's It's the perfect storm where people are lonely but they don't know how to how to express that with a manager. And even when they do, managers don't feel comfortable having conversations. And I think that's where we should invest and help help our people, our managers become leaders um, to drive that human connection. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, Ed, if people would like to get in touch with you and find out a bit more, um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, just either via LinkedIn. I'm on, on LinkedIn or via our website or you know they can email me at ed at teacup.co.uk which um whichever is easiest Holly or maybe Brilliant. reach out to you and we can we can you know whichever thank you we will put um your information on the notes that go with the, this episode as well so people can reach you if they would like thank you so much Ed and on a personal note I absolutely love it when guests on my podcast talk about word thrive because it's it's in the title of the podcast and it means a lot to me as well so thank you so much for your time today ed you're very welcome thank you polly thanks